Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We serve a good God. Amen. Amen. If you would stand with me and open your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15 and we're going to read beginning in verse 14. Romans 15. Verse 14, when you got it, say so. It says, now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are full, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me, in word and deed, to make the Gentiles obedient, and mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Illyricum, I, may, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. But as, but as is it, it is written, to whom he was, was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall, shall understand. For this reason, I also have been much hindered from coming to you. But now no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you. If first I may enjoy your company for a while, but now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints, for it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed that they are debtors, for if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. For I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word that is true. Thank you for your grace, Lord God, and thank you for the reminders of who you are. You are the risen Savior. You are the great King. And so we humble our hearts before you this morning, and we ask, God, that you would speak to us in deep ways, God, that we would hear from you, and that we would be encouraged, that we would be challenged, but above all, God, that we would be hearers who hear with faith, and that we would leave this place, Lord, in respondence to you, glorifying you in all that we do. And we pray this in Jesus' good name, and everyone said, 
Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, just raise your hand and the ushers will be sure to bring you an outline. We want to be sure that you're able to follow along um, in the introduction of the, of the message. We also want to be sure that you're able to take notes. And as always, I challenge you as a disciple of Jesus to utilize uh, this outline and the notes that you've taken and what you've heard today to help someone else grow in their faith. For you to be a disciple of Jesus, um, it's, it's important that you're making disciples right? Disciples make disciples. That's what should happen, right? And so we want to be sure that we're being faithful in that, and this is a tool for you to be able to do that. And so if you look at your outline, one of the main factors involved in someone finishing something difficult, and the reason why I'm talking about finishing here is because the Apostle Paul is coming to the end, right, of this book. He's, you know, rounding third base, coming home, and he's, and he's, and he's closing the letter, right? He's coming to the epilogue of the letter, and he's letting us know certain things. He's letting the church of Rome know certain things, and so he's communicating this, and he, and he, is, he has got to be, uh, or he is someone who, is exe who exemplifies for us, someone who is dealing with difficulties in his, in his ministry and in his life, as, as you see at the end there where he asks for prayer. But one of the main factors involved in someone finishing something difficult, achieving a challenging goal, or making a substantial change in their life is the why factor. Why is it that you want to do this? Why is it that you want to, you know, get that degree? Why is it that you want to accomplish that goal? Why is it that you want that role at work? Why is it that, you know, whatever it is, what is the why behind what it is that you're going to do? That is very, very important. Insufficient, think about this, insufficient motivation will always short circuit any significant achievement. If you don't have sufficient motivation, you are, your, 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 your goals are not going to be accomplished because it's going to be short-circuited. Because I really don't want that, right? Like, I really, if you really want that, nothing's going to get in your way, right? Like, I, that, that's just how it is when there's sufficient motivation. You know, when it came to my wife, right, before she was my wife, glory to God, I had sufficient motivation. Right? Nothing was going to get in my way. There was nothing was going to stop me. I was, no matter what she said, no matter what she did, right? No matter what happened, no matter who said what, it didn't matter to me, right? Like that, like I was sufficiently motivated and I was going to make sure 20, 20, we're going to be 22 years, glory to God, right? Later, right? It, it, and so we look at those motivations, the motivation for whatever it is. But if you don't have sufficient motivation, you're not going to press on through the difficulties that are going to come. Following God's plan and purpose for your life is the single most important goal of your life and will be the most significant achievement you will ever make. Think about that. Following God's plan and purpose for your life is the single most important goal of your life and will be the most significant achievement you will ever make. And for this, you will need great motivation. You and I will need great motivation to fulfill what God wills for our lives. You're not just going to do it just because you wake up one day, oh, I feel like doing it. No, no, no. There's going to have to be great motivation that is going to be there in your life. Think about this this morning. Our motivation in life must be greater than the opposition we will face. Our motivation in life must be greater than the opposition we will face. In trying to fulfill God's will, we need to realize that it's not just because we're walking in God's will does not mean that the road is going to be easy. The road is going to be clear as far as what God wants. He is going to order your steps and direct them. It doesn't mean you're going to see all the way down the road either. Hello. 
He's going to show you what's the next step. He's going to show you what it is that he wills for your life right where you are, right? The word of God is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. I love that scripture. But when you dig into that a little bit, you realize that we don't, the, the, the lamps back in the day are not like the lamps we have today. Hello. The lamps we have today will light up a whole room, will illuminate like a block, right, depending on how, how you know, how, how strong the lamp is. The lamps they had were little lamps that you held in your hand. They were lit, right, by fuel. They only lit up about the next step you could take. They weren't illuminating the full path so you knew exactly where to go, but you knew what the next step was. And always God is going to direct us that way. And so we must have the right motivation. We must have the right motivation in order to overcome the oppositions that we will face in life. And so what were some of the Apostle Paul's motivations that we find here? And so as I was going through this epilogue and as I was looking at what the Apostle Paul is communicating here, I'm not going to dig into every single minute detail that is there, but I do want to point out to you some of the Apostle Paul's clear motivations because I believe that these motivations should also be our motivations. And so the first one is this, say this with me, say because of grace. Because of grace, that's the first motivation that is there. In the grace of God, the love of God is revealed. The mercy of God is revealed. The power of God is revealed. The greatest motivation, right, that we have, the first set of motivation, the first thing that should motivate us is the grace of God. And so the Apostle Paul, we're just going to read this on verse 14 to verse 16, and he says this here. He says, now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all all knowledge, able to admonish one another. Nevertheless, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of what? Of the grace given me, given to, given to me by God that I may be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And he says it again, verse 15, look at it, that last part of that sentence there because of the grace given to me by God. Why was the Apostle Paul so focused? Why was he so passionate? Why was he so deliberate in what he did? Why was he so bold in his communication toward the church? Why was he didn't even know the church of Rome? Y'all remember that? He didn't, he'd never been there. He didn't plant this church. He was bold toward them. He wrote to them. I mean, everybody, as, as we've gone through the book of Romans, we know that the book of Romans is, is one of the most rich books that there are when it comes to understanding what salvation by faith is, when it comes to understanding the truths of the gospel and what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. I mean, it's crystal clear what God communicates here in Romans. And yet the Apostle Paul, why? Why was he so focused like he was? It was because of the grace of God. And here's what I'll say. In our culture, there is a lot, a lot of blame that goes around. There's a whole lot of blame that goes around. There's a whole lot of, of, of because of I am or because of I am not. Y'all ain't heard any of that in our culture today? Because of this, I am this. Or because of this, I'm not this. And you can fill in the blanks, right? I'm not going to go through all of that there. But the one thing that I believe that is so important for us, especially for the parents in the room, is we need to teach our children to take ownership. Don't teach them the blame game. Hello. Teach our kids to take ownership. Listen, we need to call out injustice. Amen, somebody? We need to call out things. But let me tell you something. When, you, when your kids were growing up, I don't know about this, but, you know, my children, they've, they've said this a couple of times to me. That's not fair. And any good parent has the great response, which is? 
Come on, say it loud. There you go. Life is not fair. What are we teaching our kids? Hey, it's not the blame game. Take ownership. Life's not fair. Listen, you're going to be dealt a certain debt. That's just the bottom line. There's certain obstacles you are going to face that someone else is not going to face. But here's what I know is this. Is that this is why this is so important. Because the grace of God makes all the difference. The grace of God makes all of the difference in our lives. The grace of God gives us the power to fulfill the will and the purpose of God. God gives us grace to do what? To fulfill his plan. God gives us grace to fulfill his plan, not our plan. The apostle Paul makes it crystal clear. He, God, God gave them grace. God gave them certain things. And so what we have to do is what? We have to recognize what God has given us. We have to recognize what God has given us. You know what I don't think that we do enough? We don't take enough inventory of what God has given us. I think we spend a lot of our lives looking at what God hasn't given us. We spend a lot of our lives looking at what we haven't been given, what the, the opportunities that we haven't had. A lot of times we get stuck in that place rather than looking at what is it that God has given me. Because I want you to know something. You may not have something that someone else has, but you have something that no one else has. You hear that? You have something that God has given you that no one else has in the room, that nobody else has that ability, that gifting, the calling that God. Listen, all the people in the room around the apostle Paul, there was one apostle to the Gentiles. Are you here? There was one guy that was called to be the preacher to the Gentiles. There was one guy who wrote th about 13 books in the New Testament. One guy was inspired to be this amazing missionary. It was one person. It wasn't everybody else. There were some great apostles. We know that. The apostle Peter, James, John, you go down the list. Great apostles, great men of God. But only one of them had the calling the apostle Paul did. We have to recognize what it is that God has given us. Let's just, let's just look really quick because I want you to see what the church had here. And he communicates this to them. He says, now I myself am confident. Paul was completely convinced concerning them. My brethren, that you are also full of goodness. And this is not talking about like perfection. This is talking about the goodness that God places in us when he regenerates us and he gives us new life, right? We, 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 we understand. He was talking about that. Filled with all knowledge. They had the knowledge of God, the revelation of who God was. You have that. If you're a born-again believer, guess what you have? You have the goodness of God dwelling in you. If you're a born-again believer, you have the knowledge of God. You may not have full knowledge of God, but you have the knowledge of God, and able also to admonish one another. He, he knew that they were, listen, he was writing to them, and he tells them, I wrote to you hard in that next verse. I wrote to you more pointedly. I wrote to you certain ways on certain points. I was tough on you, and it wasn't because you didn't have goodness. It wasn't because you didn't have knowledge. It wasn't because you weren't able to admonish. It's because I wanted to remind you of certain things. I wanted to bring to, your, to the forefront of your mind certain truths that are there. And so the apostle Paul was motivated by the grace of God. God's grace. I want you to know this. You cannot, listen to me now, you cannot plan enough. You cannot hope enough. You can't even pray enough to make something happen outside of God's will for your life. You can have all the good plans in the world. You can have all of the mo motivation to do something in the world. All of that doesn't matter if it is outside of the will of God. Guess what? It ain't happening. It is not going to happen. You're not going to accomplish what God wills for your life outside of his grace. You need his grace, right? And so the question is, for what has God graced you? That's the question I want you to think about this morning. For what has God graced you? 
How has God given you grace? How do you know how God has graced you for something? How do you know what God's purpose is? First of all, we realize that it is rooted in the gospel. It is rooted in the fact that we are all, that, that we are, that God is holy, right? God is righteous. He is pure. Everything he does is good. We as mankind are sinful. We are born with a sinful nature. Our, you know, our desires are sinful. We rebel against God. And what does God do? God rescues us. He sends his son to die in our place so he can rescue us from our sin, so he can bring us into a relationship with him, so by faith we can be saved, we can be delivered, we can be given a new name, and we can have a relationship with God. But not just that, but so that we can fulfill the purpose of God. Are you here? Our purpose is rooted in the gospel. But he gave us grace not just for salvation, but it is also to fulfill his purposes. His purpose is for our lives. And so how do I know where I went? Well, one way that we know how God has graced us is look at our roles that we have in our lives. Here's something that, that, that we can just look at real quick. If you're a husband, if you're a wife, guess what? God gave you grace for that. Somebody said amen. <laughs> I know sometimes you may not feel like you have the grace for that. Sometimes you feel like you don't have the ability to be a good husband or a good wife or a biblical husband or a biblical wife. I want you to know something. If God your steps to the place of a covenant in marriage, guess what? You have the grace of God in there. It may not be hard and, you know, or it may not be easy to find. You may not feel it all the time, but you have the grace of God. Why do I know that? Because if God has given you a command, he's also given you grace to fulfill it. If you're a parent in this room, if God has allowed you to have children, you may not know what you're doing half the time, but guess what? God gave you grace. He gave you the grace in order for you to be able to be the parent that he wants you to be. He's given you the grace to be. Listen, I want you to know something. God didn't make mistakes in making you their parent. Hello. Or making them your child. You may think so sometimes. That may be something that happens, but the reality is God has given you the grace. So we look at the roles that God has given us. Where, 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 where If we're employees or employers, whatever it is that we are, God has given us grace for those roles. And how, how else do we know how God has graced us? What about our gifting? What about where you're gifted? You're, you know, certain people are gifted in different areas, right? The day after I became a Christian, two days, well, the, the, I mean, I tell you all the story all the time. I'm going to tell you how, let me, let, me, let me show you a picture of how big God's grace is on someone's life. I was on my way. I got saved on a Friday night. I told you all this story, right? I tell this all the time. This has to be the funniest part of my testimony, I think. I got saved on a Friday night, radically saved. The next morning I woke up, I thought it was okay. I want you to know I do not think this today. I just want to clarify that. But the next day, the day two of me, be, I, I had knowledge, but not full knowledge. The day after me becoming a Christian, I thought smoking marijuana was okay. Why? Because I figured, hey, God caused this stuff to grow. He created it. Therefore, he wants me to use it for, you know, to feel good. I don't know. That's what I thought. Nonetheless, I called my buddy up to pick me up. He takes me. He picks me up from my house in Castleberry. We drive all the way to Sanford to go buy a bag of weed. We drive all the way back. All the way there and all the way back, guess what we talked about? What God just did last night. So I literally t testified. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just telling him, yo, this is what the Lord did. Last night, I, I was giving him the whole story. When I get out of his car, you know what he says to me? He's like, man, I got to go back to church. 
Why do I share that story? Man, because I was like a donkey at that moment. I mean, I know what I was saying. I didn't know what was going on. But guess what God was doing? God was using a gift that he put inside of me to do what? To turn somebody's heart back toward him. And, and, and listen, I was, I was on the way of doing something that was illegal, A, and B, something that was immoral. And so illegal, immoral. And yet God in that moment, because there was a sincerity in my heart, like I really repented before the Lord. Sunday, let me bring the story back to close because, you know, y'all be like, well, what happened, Bishop? Well, Sunday I went to church, and I don't know what happened because I can assure you that I did not understand what the pastor was saying. If he ever mentioned marijuana, I have no clue. But I knew this. When I walked out of that service, I needed to dump that junk out. The Spirit of the Lord had dealt with me. And you know what? When I was sitting in that church that day, I was sitting there having a conversation. Day number two of being a Christian. And the guys were around, they were like, man, you're going to be a pastor. And I, Day number two of being a Christian. You're going to be a preacher. Why? Because God had given me certain gifts. He gave me certain gifts that he may not have given you. My question is, not what gift do you not have, what gift do you have? Oh, well, I don't have that gift. I didn't ask you if you have that gift. You don't have to have that gift. We don't need a hundred of me running around. Hello. If there's 100 of me running around, guess what? One of us is not needed. Probably 99 of us are not needed. Hello, right? The reality is God has given you a gift. What gift has God given you? Because whatever gift God has given you, if it's a gift of hospitality, if it's a gift of serving, if it's a, whatever the gift is, that gift is the one that God wants to use you with. And so that's how we know how God has given us grace. How else do we know how God has given us grace? What about what burdens you? What about that? Because sometimes you're like, I don't know, maybe my role's okay, maybe I've gifted okay, but you're bur sometimes the way that you know where God has given you grace because you're burdened about something. Because something weighs your heart down. Because something is overwhelming your life. You're like, man, I've got to do something about this. Or somebody has to do something. That's, that's what it is usually, right? <laughs> we have a burden like, man, somebody's got to do something about this. And God's saying, how about you? How about you do something about this? Oh, it's just little old me. Wait a second. Little old you and big old God, that's a good combination. If you will trust God, he will use you. But the grace of God, the apostle Paul had the grace of God upon his life. And so he was this apostle to the Gentiles. And the other thing, sometimes and once in a while, God does speak to you directly. And he shows you, this is exactly how I want to use you. Listen, I gave you four different ways that you can know how it is that God has given you grace. I hope you were taking some notes and I hope you got some of that, right? We need to know what God wants us to do. And use our gifts. The second motivation, say this with me, say, for God's glory. For God's glory. The Apostle Paul, look at verse 17. He says, therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. Being motivated by grace leads us to what? It leads us to an equal motivation to do what? To glorify God in everything. When we come to understand for what God has gifted us with, for what God has equipped us, you know what it leads us to do? Live for his glory in all that we do. So one thing is to know I've been equipped. See, that motivates me. I know that I've been equipped. You know, I, I, I've, I've joked and I've been serious, and there have been plenty of times that I want to quit and do something else or whatever the case is. And the one thing that always comes back is what has God given me grace for? The second thing that comes is I'm not living for my glory. I'm living for his glory. I'm not living for my feelings, my emotions. I'm not always going to feel like I want to do this. There are days that I don't feel like doing it. There's, there are days I don't feel like getting up. There are days I don't feel like studying the Bible. There are days I I don't feel like praying. I know you don't want to hear that about your pastor. It's just a reality. 
There are days that I have to repent and say, God, forgive me because I don't want to be in your presence today. And it's not because I don't want to be in his presence. It's because I'm not dying to be in his presence, right? I, I, I don't want to pray today. I have other things to do. Like, th those things happen. The reality is what? As I come back to the place, hey, I've been gifted for something. But not only that, I want to live for his glory. The apostle Paul wanted to live for the glory of God. The decisions he made were because of the glory of God. The apostle Paul walks here, and I love this. This is like challenging for me. He says, verse 18, he says, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and in deed to make the Gentiles obedient. And so Paul's like, man, I'm not going to boast about anything. The only thing I'm going to boast about is what Christ has done because he knows that's the only thing that's worth anything. Do you get that? The only thing that's worth anything is what Christ is doing through you. And listen, I just went through the roles. I went through the gifting. I went through the burdens. Those are all things Christ can be doing through you. I give glory to God, right? I love, man, I, I love my, my baby girl. She's, she's, gonna, she's a senior this year. It's crazy me calling her baby girl. But, you know, my daughter, she, she's an example of the grace of God. The only reason why Alexis is where she is today is because of the, it's not because I'm a great parent. Hello. It's not because I'm perfect. It's not because my wife and I never made mistakes. It is by the grace of God. And I give glory to him for that. And we have to think the same way. Anything, what success you have, whatever it is in your life, you got to recognize something. God's the one that gave you the grace for that. It is for his glory. Paul goes on, to con he continues to say, he says what? In mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. Listen, I'm not, I, don't want you to, I don't want you to be concerned about the mighty signs and wonders. I want you to be concerned about that next thing I just said. By the power of the Spirit of God. That becomes extremely important. Because you know what? God may not do a sign. He may not do a wonder. We're not a people that run after signs and wonders. We are a people that run after God. And we want to be what? Filled with the power of his spirit. That's what's important here. Paul was running his race and he was dependent upon the spirit of God. Why was this? So that from Jerusalem roundabout to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. And so what was Paul's goal? Paul's goal was this. I don't want to go anywhere where there's already a church. He's like, I want to go where places where there is no church yet, where no one has heard the gospel. I want want to go there. I want to share the gospel there, not because I'm the man, but because if there's a church there, I'm not needed there. I am needed somewhere else. I'm needed to preach the gospel somewhere else. I need to communicate the gospel somewhere else. Listen, our context today is kind of difficult. Hello. <laughs> In most places, there's churches all over the place. Nonetheless, we have to be caring about what? We should be concerned about those who don't know Jesus. Amen. We should be concerned about sharing the gospel, not just with our holy huddle of believers, but with those who do not know Christ. We should be caring about those who have no understanding, no context, right? We should be, we should be overwhelmed by that. I was so encouraged the other day, um, a couple of days ago, Pastor Aldo called me up, and he was like, yo, Bishop, you got a couple minutes? I'm like, sure. He's like, you got like three minutes. I'm like, okay, sure. And he took like 30 minutes anyway, but nonetheless, it, it doesn't matter, you know. It was a beautiful conversation. He was so excited, right? Because one of his coworkers, who was a Buddhist, right? A Buddhist by birth, 
has no context really of, other than his wife. His wife is Catholic, but he doesn't understand Christianity. He doesn't understand any of this stuff. And Pastor Aldo's at work, you know, in his supervisor role, and he shares. He's like, yo. And so this guy, he asked me a question, and, you know, he said, he said something to me, and he seemed like he wanted to talk more about it. And then he was like, I was like, hey, well, come to my office. Let's sit down. And he's like, and all of a sudden, it was like this surreal moment. We went from talking about work to talking about Jesus. <laughs> And he was like, and I was like, is this really happening? Is this like, are we really having this conversation? And the guy was, I mean, he was, he was open to the conversation. Does that mean that every single person you talk to is going to be open to the conversation? No, absolutely not. There's some people that's going to be like kicking down a wall to have a conversation. And maybe that's a sign. And maybe it's not time to have that conversation with them. I don't know. You need to be led by the Spirit in that. But here's the thing. He's sitting there, and he is concerned about what? Preaching the gospel where it is yet to be preached. This guy has no context, no understanding. And so when you think about Pastor Otto, think about his friend. Think about his coworker that, he, that, that he's praying for, that God will use him to continue to witness and minister to him and lead him across a line of faith. Because that's what, we were, that's what we should be concerned about. The apostle Paul was concerned about that. He says in verse 22, he says, for this reason. For what reason? For the reason that we just said. Because he was concerned about preaching the gospel where it hadn't been preached. Because he was concerned about the mission of Christ. For this reason, he says what? He said, I also have been much hindered from coming to you. For this reason, I've been much hindered from coming to you. Because I've been busy in the Father's work. Because I've been busy, not just busy in life. I've been busy doing what God has called me to do. I haven't been able to make it to you. He, but he goes on to communicate with them. He says, but now, no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire for um, these many years to come to you. And so all this time, he's wanted to come to Rome. He's wanted to go there and preach the gospel. He said it in chapter 1. He wants to go there and preach the gospel. He wants to have some fruit among them. He wants to impart some gifts to them. That's what he said earlier. He's, been, he's wanted to be there. He hasn't been able. But now it seems like, you know, there's no room for him in those parts. And, you know, commentators, they say that it's because, you know, there were other churches that were coming around. There was other things that were happening there. He was no longer needed in that area. There's different, different um, reasons why. But the bottom line is Paul is like, now it's time for me to move on. And he goes on, he communicates where he's going. He's going to move on. He's going to, he's going to go, go there to see them. He's going to see them in Rome. And, he, and he, he tells them all of this stuff. And so skip down to verse 28. He says, therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by, by way of you to Spain. And so Paul is going to go. He's going to bring this offering to the, Gentile, to the Jews from the Gentiles. And he says, but I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. And so what do we understand here is that the apostle Paul was, was bound in what? Doing everything for the glory of God. His desire, his passion was to do all things for God's glory. Everything. He was, he was motivated by the grace that God had given him. The way he communicated, the way he rebuked, the way he challenged, the way he taught, everything he did motivated by the grace of God, motivated to be for the glory of God. And I'll say this again as we wrap up this point here. It should be understood that just as the Apostle Paul depended upon the power of the Holy Spirit for his work and was assured of God's work through him, the same holds true today. Hear me. We need a church. I'll say it like this. We need to be a church that is filled with God's power, committed to fully preaching the gospel and trusting the results to the Lord. That's what we have to be. 
a church that is filled with the power of God's Spirit. The third motivation, say, with the help of others. With the help of others. And so Paul comes as, he, as he's wrapping up this, coming to the end of the letter. He says this. I love this, verse 30. He says, now I beg you. Just pause for a moment. He's written to them all of this stuff that he's talked about. And now he pauses and he says, I beg you. Right? There, there's like real desperation in what he's asking for. I beg you. I beseech you. I am asking you. Because he understands the weight of what he's dealing with. He's dealing with eternal matters here. And he says, I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. I love that because you see the Trinity there, right, in such a beautiful way. He says, I beg you, right, he says, I beg you through the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son, and through the love of the Spirit, there's the Holy Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God, God the Father for me. That you come to God the Father for me. He doesn't ask for prayer. Listen, he's asking for prayer for him. He's saying pray for me because he realizes that he has to maintain the motivation. He has to maintain the focus in order to fulfill God's will. See, in a culture of individualism within which we live, filled with technological advances, we can assume we do not need others, right? We're in a day and age. Listen, you never have to leave your house to do anything. You can work from home most of the time, right? You can shop on Amazon. You can have your, your I mean, you, you, you may have to leave. You may have to leave to go to Walmart to pick it up outside. But nonetheless, they can put it in your car, right? I mean, technically, you, you don't have to mess with anyone in the world in which we live today. You have some interactions, but there's no need for codependence. You see, but we've forgotten, right, or that interdependence. Codependence has got a negative connotation. But that interdependence is like not there. We live in that day. The enemy wants to utilize that technology and those things to make us forget that we need one another. We need each other. You know, I love, I, I love Michael Dill. Um, he's, he, he's, he's in my core connect group, and his wife told me, he said, listen, my husband likes to use the phone. Him and I had a conversation. He told me, he said, listen, man, if you got to text me more than three times, we need to pick up the phone and talk to each other. We're not, we're not going to be going. I'm thinking to myself, well, glory to God, man, because, I, you know, most people, it ain't like that nowadays. We have full-on conversations like books. We write books to each other in text, right? I remember Dawn telling me when we, when we first started, you know, first, when I first got the smartphone, right, smartphones, they, the, the, in the beginning, it was funny because you could text in your iPhone like a long paragraph, and it looked like one paragraph, but it goes to everyone else in like 19 messages, so I'm thinking, wow, man, this is really cool. I can write a book here. And they're like, nah, Bishop, this is coming through crazy on our end. Right? Technology makes it fools us, makes us think we're connected. But we're really not connected, are we? We're really not united the way that we're supposed to be. We're really not being together the way we're supposed to be. And so Paul is communicating to us. The truth is this, y'all. We cannot fulfill God's purpose without each other. Think about that. We cannot fulfill God's purpose without one another, without real relationships, without getting on the phone with each other, without actually sitting down, having coffee, having a meal together, without actually gathering together to pray with each other, without actually being in the same place to build each other's faith. We can't do that. 
We cannot do that without one. We cannot fulfill God's purpose. So what does Paul ask them for prayer? He asked them to pray for him for three specific things. He begged them to pray. But I want you to notice, he didn't just ask them to pray like, hey, God, bless the apostle. That isn't what it was. He, he said, think about this now. He said, strive together with me in prayer. That's a totally different thing. Strive together with me in prayer. In other words, be there with me. Now think about this now. He is asking people that don't even know him. Strive together with me in prayer. Be burdened for me in your prayers. Now listen, y'all know me, so you should be easily burdened for me, glory to God. You should be easily moved, right, to prayer, right, for the leaders in your church. You should be easily moved to prayer for them. The Apostle Paul says, ask these people to strive together with him. Not just pray a casual prayer once in a while, but to strive, to be there, to wrestle with, to come beside, to agonize with him is really what he's saying. To agonize with me in prayer over these things. And so what does he say that he needs prayer for? In verse 31, he says, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. So the first thing he asked for is what? Victory over the enemy, the opposition to the mission. So listen, when you pray for me, you know what you need to be praying for? Opposition to the mission, that I would be able to overcome that. That the opposition to the mission, you know, you know that the enemy doesn't want the church to succeed, right? He doesn't want any, any of the body of Christ to succeed. He doesn't want us to fulfill God's purpose. And so praying for us to be able to fulfill the mission, to overcome the opposition that is there. The next thing that he prays for, he says, that I may come to you. I'm sorry. He says, and that my service to Jer for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. The second thing he asks for prayer for is effective ministry that his ministry would be edifying, that his ministry would be effective to the saints that he's ministering to, that whatever he is doing, that it would bring God glory and that it would bring edification to the people that he's encountering. So whether he's preaching the gospel to those who haven't heard it or he's ministering to the saints who know the gospel and need to hear the gospel again, guess what? God, that, that that ministry would be effective. And the third thing that he asked for prayer for, he says that I may come to you with joy, check this out, by the will of God. That's so important. It isn't just that I come to you with joy, but it's that I come to you with joy by the will of God and that I may be refreshed together with you. And still, here's the, here's the point. The point is that third prayer is that he would be in the will of God, not his own will, not his own desires, that he would be in the will of God. So three things, victory over the enemy, effective ministry, and that God's will in all things, that our desires would be about pleasing God, not ourselves. While God's grace and God's glory are great motivators, church, we need each other. They're great motivators, but you and I need each other. We need to be striving in prayer together, and we always, listen, I need it. Paul didn't say strive in prayer for me, but strive in prayer with me, with me. And so listen, I'm striving in prayer. I hope that you're striving in prayer, and I'm striving in prayer with you. My closing question is this. Are you rightly motivated for the mission? Are you rightly motivated for the mission? Are you motivated by the grace of God? Are you motivated to please the Lord? Are you motivated by doing it with others? Are you motivated rightly for the mission? If you're not motivated rightly for the mission, you need to check your heart. What is hindering you? What is holding you back from being rightly motivated for the mission? God's grace is sufficient. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand on our feet and let's pray together. Father, today, 
we humble our hearts before you, God. Today, Lord, we come and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our lives, God, that you would show us for what you have graced us, that you would make it clear for what you have gifted us, God, and Lord, that you would fill us with the power of your spirit, that we would live for your glory, for your honor. And Lord, I pray today, I pray today that you would burden our hearts one for the other, that we would be given, Heavenly Father, to a great, great desire, Lord, to see our brothers succeed in the mission that you've given them, that we would want to see your will fulfilled in our lives. And God, I pray against any discouragement, any hindrance, any obstacles, Lord God, to the right motivation for the mission. Lord, if we fulfill the mission, we bring you glory. If we fulfill the mission, your kingdom is extended. If we fulfill the mission, lives are changed. If we fulfill the mission, your purposes in this earth are established. God, let us be rightly motivated. We pray these things in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise.